The following is an episode of the Ace of Geeks podcast. The following episode contains spoilers for Marvel's Midnight Suns, The Wizard, The Witch, and The Wild One, The Scholomance Trilogy by Naomi Nowick, and The Barbie Movie. We also talk about the deeper metaphysical meanings within Barbie, and make a collective media recommendation. As we welcome you once more into the warm hug of geekdom, we find four nerds gathering for an important announcement. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ace of Geeks podcast. It's very Yay! exciting. Uh, before we hit the button that makes the uh, theme song go, uh, I we just wanted to tell you guys we are going to be changing this podcast a little bit. Um, the format that we've had for the last, I don't know, 10 years of just us all shooting the shit has been fun. Uh, but... What it hasn't exactly done is uh, engaged a lot of you uh, on a, you know, engaging level. Uh, so we're going to try something a little different. We're the, the part of the podcast that we all always ended up focusing on the most was the a bit at the end where we all talked about one thing we did this week. That was almost a bonus podcast at the end of the first podcast. Um, and something else we always used to do way back in the day when um, Jarris and I had, uh, like formatted sequences to this podcast you know in 2008 um we uh uh we would give out an ace of geeks award at the end of the week it's sort of where the podcast name came from well that's not true the podcast name came from jaris's ass but the, the uh, we made it work with that award name uh, so uh now a dramatic reproduction of the oh, name no. ace of geeks podcast being produced damn it i was ah! drinking <laughs> <laughs> so good and with that in mind uh, I haven't explained the format yet <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm so sorry 10 out of 10 start professional okay so what we're gonna do this week each of us have picked out a thing that we are excited to talk about we are each going to have 20 minutes to talk about said thing um with the other people engaging and asking questions and i think i am gonna set a timer uh just just to add some fun to it um and uh then at the end of the episode, for the last 20 minutes, uh, we will discuss all four things that have been brought up and decide which one wins the Ace of Geeks of the Week Award! Award, 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 Rowan, we're going to have to credit you as the Foley artist. I was going to say, Rowan, you missed your calling as a uh, um, morning DJ. <laughs> Don't. Okay. <laughs> you're fired. You're never show your face in this as town again. As long as it wasn't the fire. <laughs> All right. So. No. With that said. we're doing this is i have gotten a d4 the most dangerous dice <laughs> the dice you only leave out if you hate everyone you love um and i am going to roll this dangerous dice um i we forgot to introduce ourselves we said we were going to do that hello if you're new to this podcast my name's mike fatum uh i am 
one of the original hosts of the Ace of Geeks, and I really like swords. You'll hear swords from me a lot. Swords, swords, swords. Jarris, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Jarris. Um, I am also a uh, founding co-host and um, uh, f- friend to everyone in this podcast. <laughs> friend to animals. Um, <laughs> and politicians no. alike. No, Except fish. Um, <laughs> I my nerdy thing is I am really into magic, both in the spiritual sense and in the like fictional sense. Just not, you know, the Wizards of the Coast sense. Uh there is nothing trademarked about the magic I'm into. Copy left, all rights reversed. <laughs> does your does your magic system include an Uno reversi card? I'm actually quoting from the Principia Discordia. That is what they use to be like, you can copy this. That's amazing. Yes. Go. Hi, I'm Mei Ling. Um, I am Mike's wife, and therefore... And a whole human being in your own right? (laughs) Yes, I am a whole human being in my own right, and therefore he has to let me on his podcast when I want to be. And um, I am super nerdy about uh, Tyranids from Warhammer 40,000 and The Legend of Zelda. Those are the two topics that have me go off at any given moment, so... You know, I like how Meiling phrased that as I have to let her be on the podcast, but when it's time to record a podcast, the general reaction around this household is, ugh, but I want to sleep. <laughs> but I mean, that's like my everyday. That's so, true. Stays you know. it in the You've also been a host on this podcast for longer than half of this podcast's entire run line. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but eh, it's all good. Right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rowan. I'm the podcast intern. Oh boy, it sure is nice to be here. Uh, Where's I'm my in- coffee? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mick Mixtry Jarris. I'll I'll go get I'll go get your coffee. Or one. I like the way you said that because it sounded like you called the Mystery Jarris, which is absolutely Mix- a name they should have. <laughs> Ladies Mystery- and gentlemen, from the parts unknown, Mystery Jarris. Mystery is, in fact, a honorific for non-binary people, but we were introducing Rowan. Yes, sorry. Yes. Hey, Rowan, talk about yourself without using a funny voice. Ha- hello. Um, I've been here for not that long, comparatively, um, and I am nerdy about uh, a lot of things, but mostly the construction of magic systems, role-playing games, uh, nice. and Final nice. Fantasy nice. and anime. Yeah. So if you're new, uh, thanks for joining us. We have a Twitter and a Discord and an email. I will tell you all about those at the end of the podcast. But uh, join us uh, on the Discord or send us an email. Let us know what you think. But now it is time to roll the D4 of Destiny. And I think the numbers numbers should be the order we were introduced. That's what I was going to suggest as well. So So I'm number four. You are number four. Also, that's a great one. I am number number two. Yes. yes. Cool. Okay. And the the dice is rolling. What? Oh, I see. It got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this website doesn't have an animation of the dice rolling, so when you started the drum roll, it just popped up to one immediately, and I was like, I'll just let the dramatic happen. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, hello, everyone. Today I am here uh, to speak to you about the Church of the Midnight Sun. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, Welcome uh, to worship your uh, midnightiness. 
Uh, so um, Marvel's Midnight Suns is a video game that came out in December of last year. Uh, and it is a game by the development team that has been responsible for the last three or four XCOM games. So if you love tactical strategy and battling aliens, uh, you probably already know about their style of gameplay. Uh, however, this is their first licensed game. This one takes place in the Marvel Universe and tells a sto the story of the Hunter, the fully customizable character that you create based on yourself or whoever you want, uh, and his or her relationships with the different superheroes that he he or she teams up with in order to uh, battle back the evil of his or her mom, Lilith, the first demon. But relationships are purely platonic. <laughs> I was gonna, uh, yep. So okay. this game is a combination uh. of two things. It's a combination of a tactical game, which is, let me describe that for a bit and then we'll get into the dating sim. Uh, tactical game is based on, is a card game so unlike previous XCOMs, there's not as much like tactical positioning in terms of like finding cover and things like that because mm. honestly it doesn't really make a lot of sense for like iron man or captain marvel to be yeah. taking cover in a, in a superhero genre thing that's kind of a moot point yeah um so uh instead you get a deck of a certain amount of cards i don't know how many um and the cards are divided up between the three heroes that you brought with you on your mission so captain marvel gets a certain number of cards wolverine gets a certain number of cards spider-man gets a certain number of cards um and the um uh sorry the cards you play do different abilities uh so there's you know things like um captain marvel taunting a bunch of enemies and then gaining the ability to counter their attacks or wolverine clawing three people across the map or spider-man's chain strike which is probably my favorite ability in the game where if he knocks out an enemy it chains to another enemy until he stops knocking out enemies nice and so you could just go across the map knocking out minions it's wonderful very spider-man yes. yes the other half of the game uh as previously mentioned is a um uh, totally platonic dating totally simulator. Totally platonic dating simulator, yes. Um, <laughs> Doki Doki Avengers. Um, second half of the game takes place at the Abbey, which is this mysterious uh, pocket dimension uh, that was pulled from the country of Transia, where the Scarlet Witch is from, uh, into Salem, Massachusetts, during the Salem Witch Trials, uh, and is now a home base for the battle against Lilith. Uh, you live there with all of the superheroes you recruit, and you get more gameplay benefits and powers and bonus passives for them by becoming better friends with them. How do you become better friends with them? You compliment them. You take them out to look at the stars. You have meaningful conversations about their past and their future in which they uh, unburden themselves of all of their secrets. Social link, go! Yep. It's a dating simulator. Yeah, if this were a... Um mass effect game there would be if not a romantic attention to all those some sort of like mechanical and now this person does extra damage that, that you is care there. about their home life that is there uh, so as you okay. level up friendships with them they get bonus passives that make them better and better in combat um i think wolverines heals him when you discard cards and so like as you get more better friends with him he gets more healing i think mm -hmm. um but yes this is 
everything that would normally happen in a dating simulator without the actual dating. I have gotten several of the heroes now, um, Nico, Minoru, and uh, the Robbie Ray's Ghost Rider, to full friendship. And it unlocks a special costume for them and a special new super powerful passive, but you do not get to smooch them. Um, I understand... Do you get to hold hands? No, unfortunately. Do you get to hug? Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> I, I understand why these decisions were made. However, now that Wanda is back at the Abbey, my desire to smooch the Scarlet Witch is at an all-time high. And, and I am... That's her bewitching power. <laughs> yes, she's bent reality to make me want to smooch her. Uh, and so I am disappointed that I cannot smooch. Really, everyone hmm. in the game is hot. Even Morbius. <sighs> hey, he's a doctor. People love doctors. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised he was willing to stop Morbing long enough to be in this game. <laughs> Don't you understand, Rowan? It is the Morbing that our friend Mike wishes to do with Morbius. I guess that's true. I have often heard Mike scream, It's Morbin time! And then Morb all over a bunch of people. Oh, God. This oh, is... God. No, you know, at Toku Sentai stuff. Uh, I, I I I hate you so much, and uh, so anyway, that's Marvel's Midnight Suns. I am almost done done with it. Um, I purchased the DLC, so in addition to the main hero cast, which is I'm gonna forget somebody probably, but is uh, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Nico, um, Magic. Uh, Wolverine, Robbie, Robbie Ghost Rider, Blade, Spider-Man, I may have already said. I'm going through the list Captain in my head. Marvel. Captain Marvel, Captain America, um, and there's got to be somebody that I'm missing. Uh, and then I just unlocked the four DLC characters, which are um, Storm, Venom, uh, Morbius, and who am I Deadpool. forgetting? Deadpool. I forgot Deadpool. Ooh, very hot. Deadpool's introduction is... Deadpool's was hilarious. You invite him back to the Abbey, and Captain Marvel, Blade, and Caretaker, who's sort of the mission giver in the game, uh, all are screaming in your ear, No! No! Don't invite him home! (laughs) (laughs) We can't afford someone who knows they're in a video game to break this system. (laughs) He he immediately, upon seeing you, refers to you as the new... uh, fully customizable protagonist (laughs) it's pretty great also what's great is um the voice acting in this game is very very good in um where possible they seem to have gone for trying to find the most quote-unquote definitive version of the voice so like yuri lowenthal from the spider-man games is spider-man in this game uh steve bloom who's played wolverine for the last like 20 years is wolverine um the -hmm. guy i don't know his name but there's a guy who does a bang on impression of robert downey jr and has been uh doing it in cartoons and such for forever and he's iron man um they're, and they're all all the actors are really giving their all in the performances so even though you don't get to smooch them you do get to really care about each of these superheroes in ways you may not have before i didn't know jack about the robbie ray's ghostwriter before i started playing this and now i love him and he's one of my favorite characters well, it's also a really fun game to watch someone play because there are a lot of games that uh, Mike plays that, you know, I only catch like certain snippets of. And I really, first of all, the the art 
of this game is really really cool and like the powers are um brutal like how <laughs> someone survives from wolverine like snicket snicketing them like do not know um <laughs> but there there's also like a lot of really good writing in the game because you read all these text messages that everyone's like sending to each other yeah. and it's it's a really fun look into a superhero team. And especially like you have the midnight Suns, who are like the young teenage outcasts and, and they're just trying to find their way and, you know, save their friend. Then you have the old and bittered and Avengers who are like, you know, we're, we're the actual superheroes here, kids. And, and like your character is trying to like bring them together and, it seems it seems like a really fun game to play, but I, I feel like I've seen too much of it now. Oh, I think like... you should play it anyway. You'd have fun. But... Um, and of course, the voice—I haven't played the female hunter, so I don't know who her voice actress is. But the voice actor for the male hunter is uh, Matthew Mercer, doing his oh, Matthew uh... Mercer Mercerist Matthew Mercer voice. So you get to listen to Matthew Mercer for hours on hours. You get on to listen him. to that Matthew Mercer nice. uh, flirt with Wolverine, only not flirting. <laughs> Yeah, you get to watch the hunter come out into these combats being like, it's Mercen time, and then Merce all over some people. Oh my god, Rowan. (laughs) (laughs) I know where you sleep. I do have a question about the hunter. Okay. Uh, It sounds like the hunter is a made-up superhero specific for this game. That is true. What are your superpowers like? Um, You have a choice in the game of... uh, so basically you have your deck is probably the most versatile out of anybody. You can heal, you can do damage, you can mind control. Um, and you have a choice throughout the game, um, both through conversation options and through the cards you choose to, to upgrade and put in your deck over whether Hunter's focusing more on the light or the dark. Um, and they do different things. Dark has a card that I really like called Mindbender that's literally just, I point at an enemy and make them ta- attack their closest ally twice. Uh, mm, whereas, confusion, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas Light has a power called Holy Burst that, uh, Holy Burst, uh, that uh, you uh, you shoot out a, a ring of energy uh, that damages your enemies and heals your allies. Behold the splashing seeds of immortality. No, Jairus nope, made a nope, face, and nope, after saying nope, it's nope. holy burst, not holy bust. <laughs> <laughs> Yonder holy nut has been holy busted. Sorry. All right. Uh, <laughs> Still, holy. Uh, Still holy. You ain't never seen this nutcracker before. Oh, anyway. my God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the conversation options, uh, it's a dialogue system like a Mass Effect. Uh, there's some kind of uh, morality morality somewhere. system. Thank you. A Discord notification comment came in and knocked my brain completely off track. I will say it sounds a little again. like the original ap- Dark Forces Jedi Knight, in which the choices you make influence your power access. Uh, or- not no. Um, your okay. choices, your light and dark choices, don't influence your power access, except for um, your character wears a collar. For mysterious reasons, um, Hot uh, reasons perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> um, and uh, the collar gives you different powers depending on um, the choices you make in the game, <laughs> like the power of discipline. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's, you know, it's discipline, obedience, uh, uh, piety. No, okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, but are are your powers like related to Lilith being your mom, or were you bitten by a radioactive hunter? They're uh, related to. I thought to, you were going to say Dom, but okay. <laughs> it's never explicitly stated, but it com- probably comes from a duff- couple of different sources. Uh, so, you and Lilith and Caretaker, who's the woman who raised you, who's Lilith's sister, are all from a descendant from a line called the Blood, whatever that means. And you're all immortal. Oh, no. But Lilith fell in love with a mortal man. Uh, who and was a crip. You. peace in our time oh no uh so um yes so uh you were half mortal half blood uh and also you were taught demon hunting and magic from the point from being a very young age um basically a baby uh from both caretaker and her girlfriend agatha harkness Oh, like uh, Nephilim backgrounds in Hunter uh, games where you have a bit of hell in you, and so you must fight the devil. Yeah, and there's a whole thing to it. Like, the storyline on the surface feels very straightforward. Like, you have to go and fight your mom, because she's evil. But there's been a lot of not subtle hints that there's something else going on. Uh, and I have a feeling as I get closer to the end game here, there's going to be a, a pretty fairly substantial twist on what's happening and what the caller does to me and all that stuff. So I'd be quite intrigued to know mm. what the caller does to me. <laughs> <laughs> Caretaker gives off weird vibes. Like I just have to say from the little snippets I've seen, like every time she comes on state on, on stage on <laughs> screen, I'm all like, I'm all like, mm. yeah, weird there's also some really interesting choices made with the superheroes in this game like the fact that they um your tech upgrade area is uh, a demon forge run by both uh iron man and dr strange who are like best science magic bros and it's pretty great this is the least believable thing about this video (laughs) game that iron man and dr strange would be friends they they uh they they clash a lot but they're also very good friends <laughs> iron man is uh, a huge dick in this game as he should be <laughs> in everything really um <laughs> yeah cool so yeah um what other questions dost thou havest for me so to be clear this is a game in which blade and morbius are in the same game and not killing each other they talk about killing each other a lot though Okay. Oh, oh! So they do yeah. deal with that. Yeah, they do okay. deal yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Blade, Blade really wants to kill Morbius, but it's very much a like we need you in this situation, so I won't kill you now. I'm no, going to go like... back to dating Captain Marvel instead. Which, by the way, Blade x Captain Marvel is a brilliant wow. idea that I yeah. can't believe I ever thought of. There's a brilliant conversation in book club. By the way, I'm in a book club with Captain America, Captain Marvel, <gasps> Blade, and Wolverine. Um, <laughs> Wolverine is in a book club. Yes. <laughs> Blade started the book club just so he could get close to Captain Marvel, and then Captain Marvel invited Captain America and me, and he's like, yeah, I guess you can come. Uh, I think I've been in this situation before. (laughs) (laughs) He gives gives this great speech after he and Captain Marvel 
I think get together. It hasn't been explicitly confirmed, but um, he was talking about how, like his whole life, everyone he's ever loved and come to care for, uh, eventually gets killed because of what he does. Except, I'd like to see a vampire try and come at Captain Marvel. <laughs> she will yeet them into the <laughs> sun. <laughs> Isn't Captain is Marvel's energetic power semi-solar? Uh-huh. In, yeah, like. How'd that even work for the vampire? It just it wouldn't. wouldn't. No. <laughs> my my comment in character was, so you like her because she could beat you up. And Blade was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, no, no. He's the <laughs> daywalker. He's used to her ways. <laughs> well, yes, but also she's very strong. She will very go strong, up to any strong. man in any establishment and tell them that her man asked for no pickles. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, my boyfriend requested that you help him with the Draculas. Thank Blades you. just got his track his trench coat over his head. Like, no, it's, I'm not with her. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great blade by the way is played by michael j white uh of being that super cool martial artist and everything you've ever seen fame so oh, oh cool okay. yeah cool oh my god that's funny yeah it's great yeah. i really have loved this game to an extent that i i didn't think i would and um my friend ben worley and i were talking the other day about like how sad it is that this game seemed to have bombed miserably because it's a game that I think most people I know would enjoy if they actually sat down and played it. I think just the pitch of tactical superhero RPG with semi-dating sim aspects just didn't hit a lot of people with how fun the game actually is. But it Mm -hmm. really gives me the vibe of reading uh, you know one of those comic books where like the Avengers go shopping or like the X-Men play baseball oh, yeah. and like you get to actually see who the characters are when they're not fighting people. That's mm-hmm. that's the more, vibe I get from it. That's okay. awesome because that is definitely the sort of stories I'm more interested in than yeah. just the world shattering combat. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing about like comic book heroes is you get to see them punk comic book heroing all the time. It's really nice to get that wholesome slice of life side of things instead. Like yeah. that is its mm-hmm. own flavor that is honestly wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you still get the, the, the world shattering <laughs> her- heroics, but like, I think, I think it was really misrepresented as to what it was. Because I remember seeing ads for this before it came out. It looked and it just, very actiony. Yeah, it looked like your generic beat em up, mm-hmm, but everyone mm-hmm. had like this weird green vibe to them. And it I think it really missed some of the more endearing aspects of the game. Yeah, they really did a so. disservice to what a good story this is. Yeah. Yeah, the writing does sound amazing. What Mailing was mentioning earlier that I love, and then I think I'm out of time. Uh, there's uh, Tony Stark sets up a private social media group for the Avengers and the Midnight Suns, and so one of the funnest things in the game is just watching them, uh, like poke at each other and jibe and argue on, uh, uh, on this Superlink social media, like when like Morbius joins. Yeah, like when Morbius <laughs> yeah. joined the team, and Nico was like, "So, Doctor Strange, Doctor Morbius." Which one of you is more of a doctor? 
I gotta go with Strange. It's well, it's really funny because she's trying to get them to fight, but they both are like, "Oh, you know, my esteemed colleague has done so much Ooh. for this community," and like Morbius is like, "I am a scientist, but I've never saved anyone with my hands the way Doctor Strange has," and it's great. <laughs> yeah. They're, she tries to get them to fight, and they just look at each other and go, "Doctor, Doctor, 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 Doctor." doctor. doctor. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's me, and that's the Midnight uh, Marvel's midnight suns it's available on all platforms right now um and it's not very expensive these days so i recommend you check it out that means it is my turn no it means i roll the well, dice we're gonna roll oh that's right yeah yeah because we also don't have to do awkward transitions awkward transition time Ta-da! what's the dice say you Oh, oh shit. Fuck. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we have the explicit language tags, kids. Yeah. Uh. Uh. All right, Rowan, you ready? No, let's go. All right, I'll, I'll set the timer for you since you did the timer for me. Thank ready? you. Ready? Go. Okay, so what I've been really enjoying getting into lately... Oh, when I have some time to play a video game, you know what? I have I have a sneaky. Whenever we that shine that... the spotlight on Rowan, he immediately goes into a funny voice to try and deflect from the fact that we all love him and he's amazing. Now tell us about yeah. your thing, Rowan. Fine. Worlds Beyond Number is it? A... Wait, no. Yes, that is the name of the podcast. Worlds Beyond Number is a great podcast that has Brandon Lee Mulligan, Erica Ishii, Abria Iyengar, and Lou Wilson in it. And also, if you do the Patreon thing, not only do you get access to a children's adventure that tells the chi- the story of the characters that are in the main campaign from when they were children in one magical summer that they all spent together, but you can also listen to a fireside chat, which is a talk back on each of the episodes in which Ooh. Brendan Lee Mulligan, Erica Ishii, Abria Iyengar, and never, ever, ever Lou Wilson, but always someone who sounds <laughs> suspiciously like Lou Wilson, uh, talk about what happened in those episodes, and it's honestly <laughs> a treat. Oh, that sounds awesome. I will say, for the children's adventure, uh, all of their characters are fucking adorable yes they do a really great job of making a delightful not narnian because that can get dark but brennan has said that one of his inspirations for like the crafting of the world is like uh uh hayao miyazaki stuff and that vibe oh i see it uh uh does come through really well i think in the children's adventure um, oh, for sure, because the way the wizards act in the Wizards of the Empire is so much like magic users in Hal's Moving Castle. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. As as opposed to how witches are often depicted in like the various works, not just like Spirited Away, but also uh i don't remember there was one that was specifically focused on witches that i don't remember the name of anymore but was it the witches oh service? no it's kiki's Del- you're right mailing <laughs> kiki's delivery service is the first one i actually haven't seen that one but there's a more recent oh. one which i think is like the witch's flower or something like that oh that's not actually a miyazaki oh. uh no oh, that's okay. um from little witch academia isn't it no no it's a different thing. Because Kiki's delivery service is the most delightful pastoral story of a little witch coming of age and 
and bakeries and yeah it's just delightful but it still freaked the fusion out learning how to accept yourself when you're not performing as well as you want to be yeah why did you make that sound sexual jerris <laughs> i there was, your mind's just I, because it came from my mouth and i'm super hot rowan keep going <laughs> <laughs> If you too struggle with performance issues, a local witch can anyway. Uh, oh so, God! What can she do? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're gonna have to find their website and ask. Um, but yeah, I've I have been uh, having an absolute blast uh, listening through not just the main adventure, but they also did a quick little two episode uh, side story one shot where Erica was DMing for the first time in Ooh. their entire life. Oh. Uh, running uh, Roll for Shoes, I believe, is the name of the system. Uh, okay. The game they play is A County Affair, where a bunch of farm animals who have been being, who have been being fed an artificial corn substitute and are frankly sick of it, decide to pull a heist on a county fair. Ooh. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh... Lou Wilson plays a uh, a retired racehorse named It's a Winter Baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, Abria plays a uh, Billy Goat whose name yeah. I think is Stephen. I can't remember, but she has a British accent, and is her her twist is that she's the devil. Um, oh, Philip, Philip the Goat. That was what it was. Uh, okay. And Brennan plays a sweet little old uh, grand great grandmother hen, uh, whose name I also can't remember. And because it's Brennan, she's a sweet little old lady until she's on the job, and then she's fucking terrifying. <laughs> uh, this is on the Patreon. Yes, damn. Yes. She's uh, she's yeah. wonderful. You only see her for one scene in uh, uh, the main <sighs> podcast, but. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's it's so 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 good. It was it was a joy to listen through. And it and that story is only like two episodes long. And if the that's on the Patreon ah thing from Jairus was about like, ah man, I have to pay to get to yeah. that, it's five bucks a month. I, I I'm saying it because I still have not gotten new patreons i recently uh opened up some patreon funds and i really should make those purchases i feel so bad about the number of people who i love and follow whose patreons i don't pay for but if i did it for everyone i would literally go bankrupt (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. but this one's really good if you want to spend five (laughs) dollars i'm on this one (laughs) yeah to get access to some some really great dramatic and comedic improvisers, storytellers, voice actors play uh, a really great role-playing game together. Um, kind of the dream team. Really. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. a lot of ways. They're very, and they they got great chemistry, really good shared narrative. Uh, something I really love about Worlds Beyond Number is the way that society is depicted has a, uh, Brennan and the table in general are really good at letting things be beautifully described and then stopping to zoom in on the one thing 
that they're interested in. Every single time they've gone on a tangent or have been like, let's follow this person or figure this thing out, I have always enjoyed it. And that's a delicate balance to do in a role-playing game setting because like you want to build this whole rich world and you want to let your players like explore other things. But when you're producing a role-playing game for entertainment purposes, you got to kind of keep it tight. You're so right. You know, so it's it's a little rough sometimes to to make that balance. Well, yeah, but that's also that's also I think part of the reason why Brennan and the others, but especially Brennan, went for this uh Patreon podcast version because D20 is always a at the jump. They've got a specific number of episodes that this is going to be. Yeah. And there are battle sets that they've got to get to somehow. Um, yeah. with this thing, the entire idea is we are going to be telling this story for, if possible, years. Yeah. So we are going to take our time, let things move at the pace that they're going to, but it's still Brennan. So consequences are kind of brutal sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first, like, very brutal. The first yeah. 20 minutes of the main podcast is some of the most harrowing shit I've ever heard from Brennan. Just like, it's just <laughs> terrifying and heartbreaking. And like, uh, especially if you have kids, it's one, it's like nothing happens to the kids. It's just, it's just so freaking sad. <laughs> yeah. And, and what a delight it is to have Lou Wilson as the every man in that scenario, where after <laughs> all of this extremely rich, heart wrenching narration has happened, you could just hear Lou's voice come in and be like, what the fuck, Brennan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're starting there? What Lou, the fuck? Uh, yeah. Lou Wilson the, is the, our connection. To yes. Story. He, Bren, um, Brennan also in this story does a really good spirits are unassailable monsters and spirits can be the most sympathetic victims in the most heartbreaking situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, are are people are people up to date on no on okay. I am I I, I stopped I, listening to the main podcast so I could listen to the children's adventure, but I have to use yes. a different podcast service to listen to the children's adventure than Spotify, so I keep forgetting okay. that I have it to listen to. Right, uh, so I'm way behind. I need to okay. I need to subscribe. Okay, yeah. I've just been to listening to everything like directly in the Patreon, but That's anyway, it's 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 really it's really good. I will say this: at the current part of the podcast that we're at, we this is the culmination of multiple episodes of Suvi's uh, character being demonstrated in its least positive lights. Uh, Mm. just kind of ramping up. And I know a lot of people on Reddit from week to week were like, I love Abria Iyengar. I don't know if I can listen to this podcast with her playing this character because (laughs) I am really disliking this character so much. Mm. Uh, But again, this is the idea is that this is an adventure that's going to go for a really long time. So Abria has created a character who has room for growth. Yeah, I think it is very interesting to have characters whose room for growth is uh, their mentality. Mike's playing a character like that in uh, 
Yavin Radio, I think <laughs> it's a little <laughs> less linear than simply growing into your confidence or growing into your um, competency like the other characters are. Hers, it, like, she's certainly a competent character and she is well-respected, but, like, her understanding of the world is so warped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's the sheltered kid coming back out into a world that everybody else has had to live in for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And not just sheltered, but deeply privileged. They they yes. talk about it in a lot of the fireside chats of, like, Suvi's favorite social go-to is, do you know who my father is? <laughs> ah, one of those. Not a good thing. Yeah. And it creates a lot of interesting situations that they all get to deal with together. <laughs> You'd figure, you know, Often. of the characters who could pull Do You Know Who My Father Is, it would be Lou who could pull it off the most. <laughs> Do you well, know who my father is? The bear. Yeah, except yes. in, a, in, a, in a very scary mortal world where people keep doing stuff to spirits to get power. Oh, it's, yeah, you, I know. You don't want to yeah. advertise that. I know. Yeah. I, that wizard is the most technocratic piece of shit I think I've ever seen in a podcast. <sighs> Which wizard? There is a wizard who is responsible for a very horrible situation that our kids have to pretend they're cool with and is some of the most, I I teared up at some of the situations Brennan put these kids into just to play nice with a guy who is ostensibly a torturer. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. Hey kids, you'll get, you know, for kids, torture, pain, death (laughs) (laughs) in service of empire. (laughs) <laughs> hey whatever yeah. the empire needs i guess yeah but hey if you want to check out a really good quality podcast and also a podcast which has truly professional sound design taylor moore i am i am definitely not jealous at all mm-hmm. uh i'm not even a little bit of your extreme like skill and and i'm not going to call it talent because this is definitely experience and knowing what you're doing and and like carefully crafting all of your it's it is so good and it is inspiring me to try harder in the uh sound design and editing in our uh tabletop role-playing game podcast in reality they have a lot of interesting sound design that they use for sure. And and Taylor is like using leitmotif in the background music. And it's just like, oh, you know, if I had between 30 and 60 hours to pour into every episode sound design. Yeah. Oh, I mean, when it's your job. When it's your when you're getting paid for it, that's awesome. When you're not, um, it's harder. I wish it's harder. I wish that I was not a broke broken man uh, because then i would pay you hey you 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 paid me to make the music for for league of swords for some of it I so did. you know i did well, and we'll i'll probably we'll be coming back rolling. to you for more i hope yeah yeah <laughs> also on the patreon <clears throat> right mm-hmm. now uh taylor moore came back from gen con with a frick ton of uh small different uh game systems uh, and is polling the Patreon people uh, for what system they'd like to see a mini adventure done by the 
Brennan and Erica and Lou and Abria next. Uh, oh, cool. Dope. On that list, one of them is microscope, so I'm probably going to point at that. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Microscope, microscope is so fun. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff in there, including Questlandia, Hunt, Slayers, uh, Death Grind, Megastructure, I Have the High Ground. Uh, I Have the High Ground is good. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you want to put it in a vote for what you'd like to hear them play as a mini adventure next, get on in there. All right. Well, the die has been cast, and Jerris, it is your turn. All right. So uh, I didn't even this know what's wrong. Episode, oh no! Oh no! We'll, we'll add it in post. I would like to talk about um, the Golden Enclaves book, and the uh, Scholomancy series is a part of because I have finished all three. Um, Mike, do you want to not? But wow, that clapping goes on for too long. <laughs> Honestly, it's an achievement. Holy shit, it keeps wow. going. That's almost the length of time it took me to read the series. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you uh, care about spoilers? I Yeah, I do. I want to say I don't, so I can respectfully vote on this, but I think I already know what I'm voting on for our fourth our four things, so I will take my headset off, and mailing I can hear you, so just tell me when I should put them back on. Okay, sounds good. Yes. Alright, full spoilers. Um, so, what did you think of our girl? I... I love this series. Yes. It it was yeah certainly the most accurate to my favorite role playing game about magic that i've ever seen in a novel it, the <laughs> the reality they talk about mm-hmm. is except for the absence of the technocracy exactly like mage the ascension mm-hmm. uh both the effects of disbelief the use of um non-realistic realms in order to get your magic done and the politics of it and the politics of magic but i'm so fucked up and i'm abruptly realizing sorry go ahead the way that she the author makes good on her promises and the things that she foreshadows is simply incredible i think is the best thing of hers i've ever read and i've read a lot of naomi novik's work um it yeah definitely the best thing of hers i've ever read um the way that so to start with like my father was killed by a uh by a mom mouth and end with the man i love is a mom was one of the most genius things yeah i've ever and the way they reverse position where at first she's like i am the ultimate evil the world is created because Lake is the ultimate good to, oh my God, I am the thing created to destroy the evil that was put into Lake. It, I, it's just mind blowing. The pacing of these revelations are so effective. Well, and, and I just, I also love her, her like, her reasoning for wanting to create the golden enclaves. You know, it's yeah. not. 
it wasn't to get glory or be known as like the baddest witch of all yeah. time, but it was to just create a place where it was safe. Yeah. And like that the magic was pure and wasn't built on the fucked up system mm-hmm. that it was all built on. And like, uh, amazing, honestly, amazing. Like, I will admit, when I first started reading the books, I, I was a touch concerned because mm-hmm. it seemed very dire and very dark. I mean, the first book is called A Deadly Education. And, and child death is a major aspect yeah. of not only the setting, but the character's motivation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but just like the journey that the main character goes through of being like the angry girl who, who's like, I am destined to become this evil thing. So I, I can't, I can't love, you know, your typical like YA thing. Of, I can't like, love and I can't have friends. I have yeah. to be, I have to be a, a mastermind, a very cunning and discerning person who can't have any connections. And then the moment she's extended any human kindness, she's just like, <laughs> I need people. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of like the whole, oh, I'm better with people. Okay. Um, but, and like realizing like why her mom didn't want to join any enclaves and like. That was such a journey. Yeah. Like the reason on its face is so simple and the reason at its bedrock is so complex and yet Mm -hmm. they perfectly mirror each other. The logic stands up on every level. Uh, the, other thing about that is I walked away from the first book being like, this is a subtle and biting critique of capitalism. I, it's wild to me that like my, my mom likes this and she can even see that in it. And then in the third book, they say, no, all Maleficaria is the exploitation of people less powerful than you. And every time you do that, you produce a monster. Yeah. The Not just very... the exploitation, the sacrifice, the torment. But <laughs> yeah. e- like that's huge and it's big and it makes sense and everyone's afraid of uh, evil sacrificial rituals. But they lay out very clearly in the third book simply paying someone an unfair rate to work for you to put more value in than they get out yeah. is evil that creates monsters. Yeah. Well, I, I w- my head blew up. I was like, yeah. this is, yes, that's capitalism. <laughs> to create safety requires that someone innocent who has done everything right, the path you have forsaken to then die is exactly how frontier spaces are created. Mm. Yeah. It, I just, wow. Yeah. I, and the reveal in the end, I kind of saw it coming that there was no big bad because mm-hmm. of the pacing of the book suggested mm-hmm. if there were a big bad, it has to be Orion's mom because no other antagonist has gotten a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. And then when she uh, first made the recognition that, oh, every... Um, 
enclave created creates a mom alpha is like, oh, scholomancy is an enclave. Oh, patience and fortitude are tied to specific. Uh, will she kill? Oh, okay. The enclaves yeah. are going down because the mom mouths are going down. And then three chapter oh. later, she says that I'm like, oh, I feel so smart. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> and like, yeah. she really like piecemeal gave it to me. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it was. But she laid it out in a way that you can pick up what yeah. she's laying down. You know, like if you're paying attention, you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. And but you're like discovering at the same time as as the main character whose name I've completely Gabriel. forgotten. Galadriel. That's Gla- right. Right, right, right. That's right. Yes. And she hates it. Um, but like, it's just it was just such a beautiful story of someone who was running from destiny, but yet accepted the destiny yet still made it their own and thrived within their destiny. Mm -hmm. The way they describe that prophecy too, they really invested and engaged with what it meant. Like, yes, I am changing the world. Yes, that means I take choices away from people. Yes, that means that I sometimes have to tell people the future is other than it is so that the future turns out good. And then showing people's reaction of being like, what you have done is so cruel. I cannot be in your life anymore. Like, we got a lot of information about what it's like to be Cassandra in mm-hmm. a really short amount of time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's such a smartly written series and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's still a YA series that I feel like, you know, younger readers could still read it and, and get it. Like it's not written at an intellectual level for adults or anything like that. And like, but yet at the same time, it talks about very real things, like you were saying, getting yeah. paid a fair yeah. wage or building an empire upon um, the backs of like being inequity. your parents' experiment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the moment that was revealed, I had to put the book down for a day. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just such it, it's such a good book and it's such a good series that it deals with really really deep issues and thoughts and and it's it highly recommend and I'm so pleased that you finish it because honestly when I finished the Golden Enclaves I was like Jairus must read this series you were right oh, it's like it's everything so... that they they like talk about when it comes to magic magic being agency and magical society not being interesting if it's so divorced from the way normal society works Mm -hmm. it's such incredible critique of joanne's wizarding world if if i have somewhere around five minutes until i end why don't we invite you back and we'll 10 okay so i'm gonna spend the next five minutes going into the weeds then uh and then let's invite mike back to have more generalized discussion of it um the way one of the major conventions of this book that i notice is that 
she will be in a very minute situation and spend two to four pages describing what she's thinking in that interaction where it goes very slowly because she's realizing things in the moment and explaining to you the connotations of shit she already knows, but you don't know because you're not in this setting. And that could have really like been dropped by lesser writers early in the series. It could have morphed into something uh, too clumsy uh, to really work, but it, enfolded with the things we learned about the setting to become a important means by which we understand her hyper vigilant survival based mindset Mm -hmm. and also the implications of every living wizard who has made any political decision in this world is the way they are because the scholomance is the way it is. Yeah. And so once you're out of the scholomance, you are now saying the world created by forcing people through that experience. And thus her hyper analytic, this is the political meaning of everything that's going on. Not only is not burdensome, it is an eye opening. This is the way you have to think of the world when everyone else has been through this trauma. Yeah. 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 It reminded me a lot of bullet time, honestly, in that way. I don't know what that is. Bullet time in the matrix as a way of getting the audience to understand what the characters are experiencing. Right. Uh, L's like play by play political, like let's pause and show you what this means uh, Mm. is very much like that. A device Mm. that helps us, engage with her psychology and the world at the same time. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? There are a few different things. The one that I can remember right now is going all the way back to uh, uh, parallels between the world of the Scholomance and mage, not just Mm. the, uh, the centering of agency in magic, but also the conceptualization of, the shadows, the horrors as a manifestation of paradox. Yes. The the universe reality trying to write itself. Trying Uh, to balance what you've done. Also the way they talk about in mage maleficers are generally called Nefandi, which means eaters of the weak. And one of the major plots of mage is that the Nefandi are kind of a faction, but because they're also selfish, what they really are, are secretly in every other faction, Mm. all doing their own thing and corrupting those factions. And what it comes down to is exactly the situation the New New York enclave is in. They have someone who is so powerful, you cannot remove her for several political reasons. And to know her is to realize she is pure evil and evil is the thing of what she does. And yet her reasoning is Elle's reasoning. She does it because she values what Elle values, which shows that it's not just philosophy. Like mm-hmm. it's the means mm-hmm. in the ends justify the means. That's kind of part of a conversation that I've been having with myself for a while is, is, you know, what is required to disprove the concept of necessary evil. Mm -hmm. Evil is not necessary. 
But necessary evil is bandied about as a conceit when doing what is good is inconvenient or strenuous or difficult to achieve with the resources that you've got. It's much faster. Or the political realities you live in. Yeah, it's much faster and more economical to do something that is not as morally justified. Um, well, it's kind of, it's kind of like um we were trying to catch up on the Dragon Prince and um good shit. Uh Varian the dad Oh character, yeah, yeah. Varian He's constantly saying, like, I had no choice. I did mm-hmm. what I had to do. Mm-hmm. I have no choice. And it's like, no, you you always have a choice. And you yeah. made and choices repeatedly. Yeah, like, to, to do the horrible, evil thing is to make a choice to do it. Now, you can provide justification for that. And, and, you know, a lot of the characters in this book do provide justification for what they do. And I mean, like, even the friend who, who uh, practiced a little bit of Maleficaria just to keep her hair long, you know, like, because it's a status symbol in the school. Like, if you have long hair, that means that, you know, you're able to protect yourself or some stupid shit. But like... Mm-hmm. Once she was able to realize that it's like not worth it, man, mm-hmm. you know, then yeah. then she made the conscious to- choice to turn away from that. So, yeah, like I I love the discussion that they have in this book of like, you know, what is evil and what's good and like it's about your interpretation of the prophecy because I mean, technically she fulfilled her prophecy. She yeah. did. And the cool thing about her prophecy is as you go through the books, that she would do that becomes more and more justified. It makes more Absolutely. and more sense. And then when they show how she does, you're like, oh, of course. It If she did this in the most ethical way, the prophecy would still be literally true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, yeah, no, it's great book great book mm-hmm. highly yeah. highly recommend uh should we bring mike back yeah let's bring mike back for the last few minutes darling and also shout out to Elle's mouse who is an awesome character precious yes. yeah yes a real um, um who's the familiar and who's the wizard kind of yeah. character <laughs> yes, yes very much absolutely so. yeah well, so we saved the last few minutes of my piece to step back away from spoilers and describe it more generally. Okay, so you great. Can take part in that. It, what kind of what we've been talking about um, is that what what we really appreciate about this series is the way that it talks about ethical decision making and the way that it demonstrates uh, incredible characterization. Um. And one of the reasons why I'm going to make the argument that this should be our Ace of Geeks is that this is by far my favorite thing Naomi Novik ever wrote. Oh, that's high praise, considering she did the Temeraire series. Right? And I have to say, this is one of the few magical school books that makes reading it makes me feel happy and fulfilled in being a teacher. 
because most magical school books are either God, these teachers should not be doing this or <laughs> these teachers are so perfect. I could never be them. And they demonstrate a very different attitude towards education that says, what if no teacher? And the answer is that real bad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no teacher bad. What if no teacher, just slightly crazy AI running entire building? Yeah. Hey, we've made this AI dependent on not only teaching our children, but keeping them safe. AI, I can't do this. Oh my God. I think I have to, I think I have to calculate how many kids are, it is acceptable to die under my watch. <laughs> and no, then the no. AI goes crazy because yeah. of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. it basically gets into a paradox loop of yeah, I'm meant to protect these children, yet I'm killing them. Yeah. Um, also, another reason why you might like this book series and should definitely honestly bump the it main up reason your... why I know I'll like this book series is all of you like this book series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what are you saying? The bullies get their comeuppance oh, yes. in a great way. Okay. In a great way. So like there's the really like you unjustifiable bullies in the traditional sense they are defeated. But then one person who doesn't know that they are microaggressing the main character is made to feel bad in a way that is so nourishing that I I closed the book for a second goes and went Oh my God, I'm so like, that was awkward in a way that made me feel happy it happened. Schadenfreude. <laughs> Schadenfreude. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, that leaves us with our very last person to go. My love, would you like to talk about your topic now? It's your turn. <laughs> Okay, so before I launch onto my topic, I just want to acknowledge that the SAG after strike is still going on, and we do fully support all the actors yes, and yes. writers, and um, I hope that they can reach an agreement soon, because then more people can talk about the amazing piece of art that is the Barbie movie. To, uh, yes. like the um, AMPTP apparently decided to come back to the negotiating table with the writers today, which is very exciting. Great. Hopefully, hopefully, so there'll be some resolutions soon. Yes, great. So that would be amazing because this is like I can't even begin to describe how important this movie is. Like it's it's so deep yet so shallow. Like uh, it, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it is Barbie because it's everything and also nothing at the same time. Like it's everything everywhere all at once. Remarkably like, similar in some themes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so like everything everywhere all at once was just kind of how about like, you know, she was the worst Evelyn. Right. Mm -hmm. And like mm -hmm. this, the Barbie movie is really exploring the juxtaposition of the I idealized girlhood of like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a Senator and I'm going to make changes. And then the grown up woman who's like the world fucking sucks <laughs> you know bitter. and yeah. and like you are bitter but like it, it's also just like 
you pick your battles, you know, where you're just like, I have to fight every single day. So it's like, is today a day I'm going to fight or is today a day that I'm just going to accept the cat calls, you know? And like, I did not expect to cry. I did not expect to cheer. I did not expect to feel so deeply as I felt in this movie. And like, also it, I think it's really important for like, men to see this movie too not only to understand what their partners kind of go through like on a daily basis but also to understand that you should be a person in your own right like your relationship should not just define it shouldn't be your whole personality yeah it'd be like introducing yourself uh on the podcast you co-host as the just the wife of one of the other co-hosts I know, I know, but I was doing it to be funny. I was doing it to be funny. But, like, it's it's also going to be one of those movies that I think, like, every single person who watches it gets something different. Because oh, we yeah. all have a different experience with Barbie. You know, like, I will admit I was not a Barbie kid growing up. Like, I I still had a dream house. And mm-hmm. they are absolutely correct. You never take the stairs no. in the dream house because it was always in the back of the freaking house. And like, you can't, it, you, you can't make it work. So, but like, I had some Barbies that I had inherited, but like, that wasn't my thing because also half Asian girl, Barbie doesn't look like me and yeah. they never really had one that looked like me. So I never really identified with Barbie ever. I think my favorite Barbie was a space one because she had like darker skin and like galaxy hair. Oh, that's and dope. a like silver uh spacesuit, which was Ooh. really, really dope. And she was like super jointed. So you could like make her do crazy thing. And she had like cyborg silver arms and legs. What? Hell yeah. She was super dope. She was super dope. I really Th- liked her. This was a Barbie? Yeah, this was a Barbie that I had, but like, I think my mom got her at like a garage sale or something like that. So, oh, she became pre weirded. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much, pretty much. But like, going into the Barbie movie, I was a little hesitant because, you know, like, I also don't like pink. Mm -hmm. You look at my daughter, you would think that I shoved pink down her throat. I did not. She is doing the shoving of the pink. On our household. But, um, you know, like, so many people are, like, dressing up and being like, wear your best Barbie outfit. And, like, just, it kind of felt like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a movie for me, you know? And then, like, throughout the movie, I was like, oh, no. This is a movie for me. This is a movie for everyone. Especially, like, America Ferreira's speech about what it is to be a woman was like oh yeah mind blowing and i'm like i'm so sorry for every community theater uh producer and director <laughs> you're they're about to have to deal with the same all, audition over yes, and over and over they're gonna hear that monologue so many times but it is such a fucking good monologue and she absolutely kills it um, in that scene and like 
I mean, it also talks about like motherhood and like your daughter moving away mm-hmm. from you and but then like coming back and like, oh my God, it's just, it's so much. And Ryan Gosling was also pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> Simeon Liu, Liu can Liu. sing and dance. Oh yeah. Which is like so not fair. He needs to stop being so freaking talented or people need to give him more so we can see more of that. Yes. But, get, him, um, get that man a musical stat. Right? Yes. He, he could have replaced Ricky in uh, Rise of the Pink Ladies. <laughs> Slightly different ethnicity, but okay. It's Honestly, fine. I, would, I would pay good money for a producer's-like movie starring Hugh Jackman and Simu Liu. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be really amazing. Cool. There's a there's a dirty rotten scoundrels musical. We can get the there in is that. there is, but like that would actually be really interesting because usually like Bialystok is portrayed as like older and not conventionally attractive, right? Mm. So if you had Hugh Jackman as Bialystok, I'd be like. If I was an old lady, I'd give him my money. Like, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, the Barbie movie was just absolutely amazing. And I love the different representations of it. And also, y'all, the soundtrack mm-hmm. freaking slaps. Mm-hmm. It slaps like I've been listening to it constantly. And like, once you've seen the movie and you listen to the songs, like, actually listen to the lyrics you're like whoa it was lizzo who created um opening uh music for the movie that narrates what's going on and the level of comedic timing and just the self-awareness really set the tone for the whole movie from that yeah. song. Yeah. I thus far have only seen memes, including Barbie at the dance party with a big smile on her face shouting, Do any of you ever think about death? Uh <laughs> it's the so great. Okay, so that's actually Mojo not Do- just that's actually not a meme. That's actually part of the movie. That's um, what and, happens. And so what I love about that, if I may interrupt briefly, um, is I love so much that it's um i thought they were going to do a big long because that that bit was in the trailer i thought they were going to do a big long lead up to that bit um and uh you know get to the point where barbie is uh like you know we see her being depressed before that just bumps out at the party but in actuality you see her perfect world and it seems like nothing's wrong and then all of a sudden she's just like anybody else ever think about death (laughs) <laughs> it's a real splinter in the back of your mind situation. Yeah, mm. it's great. Yeah, um, I don't want to blow up this spot, but I had a lot of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not approach this movie from the perspective of being a woman. I am mm-hmm. non-binary. Um, it may not surprise you to hear then that the character I connected with immediately was Alan. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. As Alan. Alan was introduced, I was like, that dude's trans. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know something... Al- the backstory of Alan the doll? 
Oh yeah, Alan okay. uh, was like very rarely put in. He was Ken's buddy. All of Ken's clothes fit him. He's supposed yeah. to be better dressed. That, that's and, why they. That's why they pulled him because he's Ken's buddy, and all of Ken's mm-hmm. clothes fit him. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, the other thing is that in Barbie canon, Midge and uh, Alan are the only two people who ever have sex. Yeah. Because yeah. when Midge got pregnant in the toys, the father was Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which blow, blows my mind. But like more than that, like Alan being like, I got to get out of here about Barbie world. It's like, that's how I feel about binary society. I, um, the way he's immediately like super competent, just wants to help Barbie does not want to be on that. That is all wonderful. But Barbie's journey, what there is this moment in which, uh, Barbie asks her creator, the inventor of Barbie uh, to be a person. And what her creator tells her is that no one can make you a person. Uh You have to decide you're a person. That is your choice. You must consent to it. And I was blown away because this is like the ultimate message of Promethean, the created (laughs) uh, the book feet of clay and like everything I have learned about personhood through magic could be summed up in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried. It felt to me like Barbie was a God who knew she was created by humans and was asking her high priestess if she could be a believer instead of what was believed in. If she could be mortal and taste death quite literally instead of being a perfect idea. It was beautiful and very metaphysically profound. Um, Especially the differences between the real world and Barbie world. I don't think it's so simple that the real world is real because things don't act like reality in the quote unquote real world. In the same way that Barbies are moved around by invisible children's hands. The workers in the bar in the Mattel uh corporation in the real world are definitely weird. Yeah. They work in cubicles with no doors. And we saw that if they run into those doors, they're very flimsy and they fall down. Those office workers are also in a way toys. I think they are also, we don't see this, lifted out by kids playing with toys. I feel oh. like the real and the way that the entire um, board of directors acted, that's not how business people act. That's how children think business people act. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, so, my God. So the thing that hit me is that the real world is not the real world. The real world is the world that is implied by the existence of the Barbie world. <laughs> yeah, no, it's and and this is why I'm like I I get I get all the people who were like I am so fucking confused by right. this movie cuz like if you were going in expecting a movie about Barbie you, you did, did get, get that, that, but just it, not maybe well, in the way you expected. Way deeper, way more. It wasn't it wasn't like, you know, you're 
your typical 80s, 90s kids film where it's like, you know, Barbie comes to the real world to save Sally and give her self-esteem, you know, like it's it's a lot more complicated than that Mm -hmm. but i feel like it's a really good litmus test for whether or not your partner has a shred of understanding in them (laughs) because if if like your boyfriend comes out of that movie going like man that movie sucked why did they treat the kids like we're done we're done you know, yeah. just all yeah. of the internet discourse that I have seen around the movie centers around men who saw the movie and were like, and, and felt like Ken was, was done really wrong. And people on the internet just being like, you're so close to getting it. This, you're this so is. close. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to be so purposefully ignorant because the movie forces you to America Fierra's speech is all about the paradoxes inherent in societal expectations specific to women. But the point she made Mm. is also the same point in 1984, except you had to read between the lines in 1984 to figure out that he was saying um, political realities force us to, create paradoxical things as true but when you release yourself of the expectation of Mm -hmm. making those paradoxes both true you are free (laughs) yeah the barbie movie just showed you how to do it you could learn the point of 1984 way faster by just watching barbie would you cry less no uh (laughs) what i loved about this movie is that you 1984 uh as you describe is a fairly subtle way of telling that story. I loved how absolutely unsubtle the Barbie movie was about its messaging. (laughs) It was just like, really see it it now. Really hit you over the head. There's a moment where they make a point about how Barbie doesn't have to be perfectly conventionally attractive um, in order to be, uh, a meaningful character or whatever. And the movie stops and the narrator says, Mattel casting Margot yeah. Robbie detracts from this point. You're trying. To <laughs> yep. And I have to say, it's my favorite thing yeah. that has ever happened in cinema ever. I am so, it was the perfect amount of meta humor. It yeah. was, it, as Mike says, slaps you right yeah. in the face of what well, it's trying and, to and say. Like, and it's, it right. just, it, it's, oh it's God. so good. It's so smartly done. And it's also one of those, like, mm-hmm. it's a great movie because it gave people the nostalgia that they wanted. So like a lot of our friends who were like, deep in the barbie lore like knew all the stuff they were like oh my god we saw like all these things and also whoa what a message you know (laughs) and so they enjoyed it but then for those of us who don't know the barbie lore we could just still thoroughly enjoy it because like sometimes when you make a movie based off an ip you feel the need to like shove in fan service and sometimes it's done well and sometimes it is not done well at all. Um, But like this movie I feel does a really, really good job of 
of looking at the product that it's selling and being like, y'all, we get it. However, (laughs) we can still take this and make it better. You know, like we recognize all the problems with it, but it's actually us to us as the consumers and as the architects of the world we create Mm -hmm. with this product to make it better, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, another like movie that we saw recently that was surprisingly nostalgic, but yet like modern and and great was the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. So like, if you haven't seen that yet, also see that, but yeah, we can bring that up on the next episode. But, but yeah, I plan on it. So, highly, 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 highly recommend. Um, I will be surprised if it wins Oscars for the script. I think it should. I think it absolutely should. But I don't know that the Academy is quite there yet. And but, also, the Academy tends to look askance at movies yeah. that do well in the box office yeah yeah and barbie has done phenomenally well in the box first first movie yeah first movie directed by solely a woman to make a billion billion dollars dollars well but just well done to everyone there are a lot of things in the world that prove um, Ben Shapiro is full of <laughs> shit. This is definitely one of the most entertaining. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, that makes it our time to decide the winner of the Ace of Geeks of the Week or Bi Week Award. <laughs> Every week for me is a bi week. Um, so. You know, well, <laughs> the things we've talked about are very different <laughs> yes. in sort both the kind of media they are and what they're trying to yes. tell for my own self. I think I'm going to be judging this by impact. I, I agree. Um, and I think because of that, I'm going to eliminate my own suggestion from the competition. Uh, I love Marvel's midnight suns. Y'all should play Marvel, play. Midnight Suns, but I think interesting play. I'm not going to, uh, acknowledge that that is an okay thing to do, so I might vote for it just to piss you off. Well, I, I, I will say I'm gonna, I, I don't think mine, while I love the game, I don't think it's as important as, um, my choice for this week. I think I think the final two of this week in my mind is Scalamancy and Barbie, and for mm. me, the amount of impact yeah. the Barbie mm-hmm. movie has had on society it just it's it's kind of a shoe in for me what do y'all think uh so for me my thing is uh, assuming that the award is going to what we think people should definitely go out and check out i'm confident enough that people at this point will go see the barbie movie if for no other reason than to save their mm. curiosity at which point I would give the award to Scalamance purely because I want more people to read Scalamance. <laughs> that is a good, is a good point. The impact of Scalamance cannot be compared to the impact of Barbie, but the capacity for that impact is very similar. And I, I will add um, another little nugget for the Scalamance because I am an audiobook listener. If you're like, but reading is hard. I don't have time to sit down and read a book. Uh, the audiobook is 
very excellent. God, I um, wish y'all could see oh. Bailey's hand motions with that. <laughs> pure very pure expressive. art. Um, Ling, your uh, Italian sign language is very <laughs> marron. Um, well, I you know I I think there's room for long debates, but it sounds kind of like the three of you are all in agreement that this should go to Scholomancy this week. I think so, because I, I have to agree with Jarris. I feel like, uh, sorry, with Rowan, that people who want to see the Barbie movie will see the Barbie movie. People who don't want to see it have already made their decision and they're wrong. But, um, you know, like... But they can't... probably don't listen to this podcast. Exactly. Or at least God, <laughs> oh. I hope not. But if you, you are know, someone like... who listens to this podcast and was like, eh, I don't know about this Barbie movie, go watch the Barbie movie, please. Yeah. I, I guess if we're making it more like how we feel, on one hand, I, I was very touched by the Barbie movie. I know that there are themes in it that I read into, like Barbie is not a trans character, but the fact that the thing she, the first thing she decides to do upon being human was one of the most transition story <laughs> things I've ever seen in a movie. Because like, if you're a person... The first thing you have control over is your body. Damn, this movie makes a strong argument for uh-huh. body autonomy. But there are things that were written about in Scholomancy that made me rethink my own relationship with my parents. There are things that occurred in Scholomancy that made me rethink how I think about magic and things in that book that made me rethink how I talk to people about socialism. Mm. This book... Barbie's an incredible movie and it should earn a billion dollars and should get best picture, but it didn't change my life the way the Scholomancy books mm-hmm. did. So I will vote for Fine, that. I'll read these books. God damn. Cut with a hard <laughs> sell. Jesus. <laughs> All right, Tribunal. Rowan, what is your uh, vote? I vote the Scholomancy series by Naomi Noick. Mike, what is your vote? I vote the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik. Mailing, what is your vote? I too vote for the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik. Then I'm just waiting for Jerry's to just be like, and I vote for Midnight Suns because fuck vote you, Midnight Suns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, our Ace of Geeks of the Bye Week. We'll come up with a better way to say that. Uh, Ace of Geeks of the Fortnite, and we'll just keep calling it Ace of Geeks of the Week. It rhymes. It's better. Ooh, Fortnite. Yes, Fort, but, Fortnite. But I don't think it is a Fortnite. You can't say Fortnite. It'll yeah. draw the wrong algorithms. It'll draw the dance. I'm going to floss everybody. Okay. Uh, so no. our winner this Me. week, that is not the floss, Jerris. <laughs> oh, I don't. I wasn't trying to floss. I was just oh, okay. trying to do a TikTok dance, I know. Well, you should floss. It's good for your teeth. Um, our Ace of Geeks of the Week winner is the Scholomance series Woo. by Naomi Novik. Nice sound, Rowan. Thank you. Oh no, oh no. Not the clapping again. No. Get ready for... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so... I, I was folks. there with my 30 seconds of cheering and Mike said, 
Not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, we are the Ace of Geeks. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Ace of Geeks and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Ace of Geeks. Um, you can also join our Discord. There's a fun little community going on there. We had a mm-hmm. short talk about the Barbie movie last week, um, but if there's more of you, maybe it'll be a longer talk. Come and join us, and you can also suggest things for us to uh, bring to a vote on the show. Um, it's in the, the link for the Discord is in the show notes. And if you have questions for us or suggestions for things that we should bring to a vote for the Ace of Geeks of the Week Award, uh, please, you can email us at A-C-E-O-F-G-E-E-K-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G at gmail.com. That's Ace of Geeks Podcasting at gmail.com. Uh, folks, my name is Mike Fadum. I have been one of your lovely hosts for this evening, uh, but not as lovely as the other three. Um, I am uh, findable on Twitter at Vengeance God. On uh, it's fi- X. No, it's not. <laughs> on uh, Blue Sky, also at Vengeance God, because fucking Twitter. Um, and uh, Instagram at Broken Infinity Films and TikTok at Vengeance God Two. Uh, please do listen to our other two podcasts. I forgot to say this before I introduced ourselves. Uh, we have Yavin Radio, which is an improvised Star Wars story podcast, and Edge of Reality, which is our TTRPG podcast. You will enjoy both of them. I promise you. Um, and uh, <laughs> Will. Do it. If, you, if you're back to stuff for me, uh, please check out The League of Swords at leagueofswords.com. It's a show that I'm working on producing that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, Mailing go. Hi, I'm Mailing. You can find me on TikTok at MLKitty1875. Um, I sometimes post videos, but mostly I just repost cat videos. So if that's your jam, let me know. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys there. Rowan, go. Hello, my name is Rowan. I have music that I have made at the time what I'm of talking about. We this. shine a spotlight on Rowan for his amazing stuff, and he talks in a funny voice to try and deflect. I'm on it to makes- you, funny man. Self-promotion is easier if I don't have to be myself. Uh, <laughs> it's so- you, Mario. <laughs> it's a me. I made some. I made some music. There's a link. You can listen. It's beeps and boops that are it's mostly very good. Most- it is mostly synthy and cyberpunky. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the things that I make that I actually put out, I put out because I want people to listen to them because I am enjoying them so much. So, by all means, Jerris, yes. go. Hi, my name is Jerris Maragopoulos. If you're interested in reading any of my thoughts on magic or spirituality, you can check out my writings at firstchurchofthemorningstar.com slash blog. I don't write all of the blog entries, but if it's about Sumerian magic or uh, intersex spirituality, it's probably written by me. Um, I, think I just I'm realized, I've listened to that sorry. sentence like 12 times, but I've just realized that is the coolest sentence anyone has ever said <laughs> if it's about sumerian magic or intersex stuff it's by me <laughs> i think i will to toot my own horn um though it is not posted yet i just finished my first hour-long ritual um that i have ever written it's 16 pages it feels like a big wow. intellectual baby it took me two and a half months to write wow uh, but I is it longer? Is it longer than the ritual you did that summoned birds accidentally? It is, in <laughs> fact, 
uh, six, no, seven times the length of that because wow. it is that ritual expanded into like a full like um, event could be just this ritual. Okay, okay I don't think Jairus... people are ready for how many birds are going to show up when people do this ritual. <laughs> but but Jairus, I'm sorry, ritual casting only takes ten minutes. You don't want the other players to have to sit around the table for. <laughs> oh no, this ritual is meant for extended roles, so you can actually get multiple attempts. <laughs> ah, so it's like Ars Magica. Yes, okay, got yeah, it, got exactly. It. I, got it, hey, got it, got Mage it. the Ascension. That's what I'm writing. Yep. Uh, yep. Ace of Geeks. Yes, that's us. Okay, well, folks, I I hope you enjoyed this new format. We're going to stick with it for a little while, so let us know. Um, And uh, we will send you off into the great ether uh, with the way in which we always do. (gasps) Hello, Hello, welcome welcome to the Ace of Geeks Podcast! That was an Ace of Geeks Podcast. Hello Hello and welcome. welcome.